are here for a reason. This, 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 this news just in. Ready? Go, go, go. We are your news now. <laughs> right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information, separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. Get the news. <laughs> You're listening to Right On Radio.
Hey, welcome to Right On Radio. Happy Sunday to you. Yes, indeed. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Um, really looking forward to this chapter. Thank you all for being here live, uh, the ones that can be here live, and uh, and welcome to you who are listening on the replay, which is many. This chapter, chapter three of Matthew, is very foundational to our faith. And if you don't truly understand the major precepts and master principles in this chapter, I think that your faith could be shaken. And so I want to address some things in here. And, you know, as time passes by and we learn more and see more of what is going on in the world, we have new revelation uh, from God's word. This is not new revelation in addition to God's word, but the depth of God's word is insurmountable. And I think you're going to see some things in this chapter that perhaps you've not seen before or considered deeply. One of the things here at Right On Radio that we believe in strongly is the power of prayer. I have uh, experienced the power of prayer this week myself, and we have a good God. Yes, he is mighty. Yes, he is beyond our imagination and size and scope and depth and we don't fully understand all the things of the Spirit, but we have a personal God. A God that knows you much better than you know yourself. He knows intimately every one of the atoms that are in your body. He knows how many hairs are on your head or lack thereof in some cases, of course. He knows how many grains of sand are in this world. It's beyond our capacity, but we are made in his image. And he loves us, and he sent his son so that all would be saved. Now, we have a pretty strong idea that most people will not be saved. But it's yet, it's the Father's heart that all would be saved. And he didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but he sent, he sent him to set us free. Let us pray before I read. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this opportunity to get together, Lord, even if it is in a virtual manner, Lord, our spirits are all linked, and Lord, we're gathered here in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and we're gathered here to read and study your words, which glorify Jesus and glorify God. 
Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit will give us revelation today of your word and of your glory. And Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit will minister to each and every person who hears this. Lord, and that you increase the faith in each one because your word says faith comes by hearing. But Lord, today we read and we study your word. As always, I give the Holy Spirit full permission to speak through me. And Lord, I pray for each and every one that is here. Lord, that you give them clarity of mind and a deeper understanding of your word and the glory of God. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And just a reminder, I'm getting into the habit of praying at the end of this. And uh, this is a live broadcast. And when you type in at the end, in all capital letters, a prayer request, you have to understand that I there is about a 15-second delay. So I do wait for you to put the prayers in. And then sometimes some prayers have come in after I've started praying and you know, when I conclude, it's, you know, a little bit difficult to get back in and pray again. Uh, also be aware that it's not just me praying. It's it's our whole prayer team. It's, it's much of the audience. I'd say most, if not all, of the audience praying. So it's not anything special about my prayers. Um, I have no advantage over you. Um well, I, that that might not be true. I have a very, very strong faith, and I think my faith is stronger um, than a lot of people's. And <laughs> that's because he spanked me more. <laughs> and deservedly so. A father reproves those he loves. Um. So if you're if you do put in a prayer and it was not addressed on the program, I'm just going to ask. Uh, I noticed that uh, both. Uh, thank you for being here, Misty and uh, and KDQ. Uh, if you could just, if I miss anything, if you could just copy and paste and put them into the prayer channel on Telegram, and we'll make sure that your prayers are uh, prayed over. All right. Having said that, let's begin reading Matthew chapter 3. Now in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet when he said, the voice of one calling out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John himself had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. At that time, Jerusalem was going out to him and all Judea and the region around by Jordan, 
and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You offspring of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, produce fruit consistent with repentance. And do not assume that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. And the axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is being cut down and thrown into the fire. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is much mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is at hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor. And he will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have the need to be baptized by you, and yet you are coming to me. But Jesus answering him said to him, Allow it at this time, for this way is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. After he was baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and settling on him. And behold, a voice from the heavens said this, This is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. God bless the reading of your word. Wow, what a scene. <laughs> what a scene. Can you imagine? So I don't like to do um, what I call biblical gymnastics and bounce all over. I like to treat each chapter as its own and take out the best of the chapter. But it's important to note, um, and if you're not as familiar with the story of John the Baptist and how he came about, it is worth worth it for you to go to Luke, which gives a much better background than Matthew does here. But John was put on as a forerunner to Christ. And John's ministry 
is extremely important, obviously. If you are familiar with the story, God sent Gabriel, no slouch of an angel, to his father, uh, John's father, Zephaniah, I believe. And he gave him this message and there was doubt in him. You know, how could it be? You know, we're past child. <laughs> like I, I assume uh, his wife had gone through that stage where, you know, the ovums are no longer produced and all that stuff. And it just wasn't physically possible. <clears throat> and uh, the Lord closed his mouth until John was born. It's, it's quite an amazing story, and there's a lot of richness in that as well. One thing that I discovered today in uh, studying this morning for this is I never realized that John, I think, is the very first to reveal the great mystery of God. What is that mystery? Well, I think you're going to see it in a, in a couple minutes here. So it starts off with, Now in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. So obviously from last chapter till this chapter, there's probably a difference of, between 27, 28 years, this has jumped ahead. And he's preaching in the wilderness of Judea. And by the way, he's drawing big crowds, folks. Big crowds are coming. And what is John's message? It is really, really simple. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And what is he doing with that message? He's preparing the hearts of the people to receive Jesus. He's preparing the hearts. And how is he doing it? Well, and, and his... His sermons were not complicated. <laughs> Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know, um, that's it. Come and get baptized by water. So repentance is obviously a foundation of our faith. Because if it were not for the remission of our sin we could not enter the gates. And of course, we know that Jesus paid the price for our sin. But you see, people were not necessarily being saved here. They were being prepared. John was revealing the great mystery of the Gospels. And that great mystery was John wasn't just baptizing the so-called chosen people. 
He was baptizing all people. Very important for you to know. And we later find out that is the mystery of God. God's plan the whole time was that he would send his son for all people, not just a small group. So what is repentance? Again, this is foundational. To repent is not just to say sorry to God. That really doesn't do anything. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, okay. You know, that's pretty non-consequential, wouldn't you say? Considering if any, any sin were found in you, you could not be in the presence of God. So saying sorry doesn't cut it. To repent and accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, to repent is to acknowledge sin as being sin, and then to turn away from it and to start walking in obedience to Christ. Now, even those of us who are saved and covered by the blood, none of us will ever be perfect in this bodysuit that we're carrying. None of us will. So do not feel condemnation on yourself. Some people struggle with certain things. And there's a process. Life is a process. Your walk with God is a process. But if you want evidence the Holy Spirit lives within you, you'll know it because you'll have conviction. And you won't want to do it. Not only because it's bad for you. You know, sin, when you sin, and where I, when I sin, there's always consequence. Not always evident right away, but the consequences do come. It does not go unpunished. For the most part. Can't make a blanket statement. But, you know, if you if you steal, you'll probably get found out later on. If you tell lies, it's probably going to come out that it was a lie. There's consequences to sin. So repentance is to go away from it and the conviction of the Holy Spirit is to say, hey, this just is not good for me and it's not pleasing of my God. And having the fear of the Lord that we're not pleasing him, that is certainly evidence of the Holy Spirit upon you. So, of course, John's ministry is confirming, and in verse 3 says that, for this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet when he said, the voice of one calling out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make his paths straight. 
So what is prepare the way of the Lord? Why does he need it? Well, you know what? I, I just think in common, again, I'm a common logic deduction type of person. But if you're expecting company at your home, let's say for the holiday season, or you just had people over for Thanksgiving, you probably prepared your home for the guests. And how do you prepare your home? Well, you most of you would clean your house. And if you want to accept the Lord, isn't it good that you clean your house? Because you are the temple that contains the Holy Spirit. And of course, throughout history, you know, they would always prepare the way for a king. They'd clean up the streets. Look in San Francisco. Uh, by the way, what happened to all those homeless people in San Francisco? I've been meaning to talk about that on the show. Uh, there's just too much. But what happened to them? We better find out. But they prepared the way for Xi to come. <laughs> And if you were hosting a world leader in your house, you'd probably not only clean it yourself, you'd probably have professionals come and help you to make sure that it was. And to make his paths straight. Well, what is Jesus' path? What is it? If you've been following the series that I just... Well, I didn't conclude. Sorry for those of you who are not digging it or getting it, but there's more. And most of you didn't get it, by the way. There was a bombshell revelation in that, and uh, I don't think anyone caught it. And I said it out loud, clearly. I'm going to make it real obvious to you. I'm just going to tell you what it is, probably this week. But Jesus' path is into you. To make his path straight, first of all, we repent, we clean our house, and it's intent and about your heart. So intend to make way for the king and clean your house. Now, John uh, wasn't quite a fancy dresser. <laughs> John himself had a garment of camel's hair. Uh, when you, you know, in these days of luxury, um, do you, many people wear camel's hair coat? <laughs> No, I would say that that's not a luxurious garment. And a leather belt around his waist. And his food was locusts and wild honey. You know, this wasn't just a crazy man eating bugs, as many people portray him. Very poor people in those days 
had to eat bugs. You have to stay alive. People will do what they need to do. People still do uh, to some extent. But this is just saying that he was a man essentially of no possession. His only focus in life was to do what God had called him to do. And you might think, man, I wouldn't want to live like that. But man, if you could live like that, do you know the reward you'd have in heaven? If you cared nothing for this world and just did what God told you to do, I I, uh, I bet you that uh, John's got a front row seat around the throne. It's an amazing thing. So he had no particular wealth or anything. He was just doing his job. And at that time, Jerusalem was going out to him so many people from Jerusalem, you know, it sounds like the city, essentially, and all of Judea and all the region around Jordan. This guy's drawing crowds, folks, with a simple message, but his message is inspired by God. He's speaking the truth of God. Repent and make way for the king. And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. Now, this is kind of a new gospel here, isn't it? The baptisms and now baptism wasn't a new concept. The If there was a, uh, you find in scripture that if there was a Gentile who essentially wanted to become a Jew, who wanted to study, you know, and, and believe in God, that he or she, a Gentile, would be baptized and to be symbolic of cleansing. Now, why is this important as we get on to the next uh, sentence? Because the Jewish people, the so-called chosen people, they didn't have to be baptized because they had already, they were born into it. And so they believed. You know, and in today's time, we're finding out about a lot of stuff. We're finding out about a lot of history. And even I'm going to show you some evidence that uh, that they're not even of the seed of Abraham, as they claim. It's wild where this goes. But they have always thought that the Gentiles were like dogs less than human you know that it's it's in their writings 
that the reason God created Gentiles was to stoke the fires of hell. That's, we're useless, we're lower than animals to them. So verse 7, and, and by the way, I, I actually, I just want to make this point. You know, I, I think there's a certain pity that, and, and we really have to have a heart change towards people who were brought up in these generational beliefs that they're superior to everyone else. And if, listen, if that's all you've known, if that's what you've been told all of your life, of course you're going to believe it. So they really have been oppressed by the lies of the devil. It doesn't mean they're bad people. They just have been taught wrong all their lives for generations. Verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You offspring of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? <clears throat> so, of course, the Pharisees are the keepers of the law. The Sadducees were kind of like the political arm. They're the rulers for, well, thousands of years, quite honestly, even to today. In fact, <laughs> they're controlling the world today. But you see, they would show up and you see Jesus constantly attacking them. They were the number one enemy of God. And obviously they're the ones who had him killed. When John saw them coming, see, they would show up whenever a crowd was gathered because they wanted, if it's something good, they want to take credit for it. If it wasn't good, They'd condemn it and, you know, do their, that's the stuff that they did. And John calls them, you offspring of vipers. Well, it's interesting that he says viper because wasn't it a serpent in the garden? <laughs> the snake representing the devil? But he says, viper in particular, viper is one of the most deadly snakes that attacks often. Brutal. They kill people. He's calling them killers because they're lying to people about how to have eternal life. And it says, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? See, he's actually just, I think he's actually mocking them because he knows they're not there to be baptized. They're there to assess if it's politically good for them to do this because it's all about them. And he calls them on it in verse 8. Therefore, produce fruit 
consistent with repentance. Because they wouldn't repent. Why would you repent if you kept all the laws? I am holy. I am the one with the law, born into it, chosen by God himself, me. That's what they thought. That's what they were saying. They're not going to repent. What do I have to repent of? With John, he's a straight shooter. Produce the fruit consistent with repentance. He knew they wouldn't. And he said, goes on to say, and do not assume, because they assume, right? That you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. By the way, I, I just can't help but notice we have water. Here comes the stones again. We're going to have fire later on. Interesting. And he's telling them that their judgment is at hand in verse 10. And the axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is being cut down and thrown into the fire. How could you bear good fruit if you're just morally superior to everyone and claiming that you keep all the laws? And you see, and they never got it. They think, you know, if you keep all the laws, you're saved and we're saved because we keep the law. You can't even keep the first 10. What child at some point did not dishonor their mother or father by telling them a lie or not doing as you're told? It's impossible. They couldn't even keep the first 10, never mind the additional 600. Sin was not sent, and I know I've said this before, and most of you know it, but this is foundational. The law did not come into the world so you could keep the law and be saved. The law came into the world to expose sin. So you would know that you have fallen short, even if you're a Pharisee. But you see, if you sin and you don't get caught, you're not guilty, right? <laughs> That's literally what they did. Because of course, every one of them sinned. Everyone. But if you didn't get caught, wow, it's okay. And of course it says bear good fruit. I guess there's bad fruit too, right? It'll be cut down and thrown in the fire. And Jesus went on to say the same things. You know, I am the vine, you are the branches. 
Verse 11, as for me, I baptize you with the water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. Do you realize how prophetic that is? Because, you know, three, three and a half years later, after Jesus ascended on high, it's exactly what happened. And he continues to describe Jesus. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And his winnowing stick is in his hand. And he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor. And he will gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So what does that mean? So he's giving an analogy. And you have to understand um, <clears throat> a winnowing fork is like a pitchfork. You know, prongs where you pick up the hay bales and you throw it. But what they would do back then is they would pick up the hay and they would toss it up into the air. And you see the chaff is much lighter than the wheat itself. And the chaff would blow away and be gone in the wind, essentially, or land in a different pile. And you, what, what you would do is you would take all your good wheat and you'd put it into your storehouse. So this is very symbolic of Jesus came here to separate. <laughs> you know, the sheep from the goats, the wheat from the chaff. His threshing floor. And he's going to separate everything. And those that are his are going to go into his house. And those that are not his, he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And of course, you know, there even in those days, this would make sense because the roots and stuff, the unusable parts of the wheat, of course, they would use to put in fire and stuff like that because it was highly combustible. Now, enter Jesus. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John protests, right? <clears throat> because he knows. He knows who Jesus is. He knows what's happening. And John tried to prevent him saying, I have the need to be baptized by you. That's true, right? And yet you're coming to me? And I think John was seriously perplexed by this. He wasn't just, you know, false humility. He's going, no, no, this is the guy. This is the guy who's going to save the world. 
But Jesus answering said to him, allow it at this time. For this is this way is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And if you go into Isaiah, there is a prophecy that this fulfills, and it's uh, he would be counted among them. So, of course, Jesus had never sinned. Jesus was not going here to repent. Be clear about that. Jesus have not sinned at all. But he's to be counted amongst the sinners. And you know, Jesus is our advocate to the Father. Obviously, when we're covered in his blood, the Father will never see your sin. He'll see Jesus. He is our advocate. So isn't it good that he did these things and walked among us? There's another point I wanted to make about this. Um, no, that's all right. It'll come if it needs to. Then he allowed him. And of course, it wasn't like allowed. That's probably not a uh, a good translation. I would say he agreed to serve him because <laughs> he was serving Jesus. And after he was baptized... Jesus came up immediately from the water. That's full submersion, okay? That's what baptism is. And behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and settled on him. And behold, a voice from the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So there's an important point I want to make about this here because of the deception that is happening in our current world. And I'd like to tell you that the deception is not new. It's, uh, it's thousands of years old. And the deception is in modern day, and all the NAR guys are saying this. It's in their books. They pretend to say, yeah, Jesus saves, Jesus does this or this. But then they slip in that they say, and this is a twist of doctrine, so hear this as deception. They say Jesus was just a man, and this is the point when he became glorified and became the Son of God. And the whole, and that defeats the entire gospel. That simple deception, because what that is actually saying is, we are all gods. It's the foundation of the manifest sons of God doctrine, Joel's army. It's the foundation of all of this, and that we are all gods. It's right out of Lucifer's book. 
The fact is, Jesus had not sinned. Jesus was an immaculate conception. He is the seed of God and the seed of a woman. Never happened before. It's a brand new creation right from that immaculate conception. No man could go 30 years and not sin, but Jesus did. Jesus was fully God. And what's beautiful about this very last picture here is you see the unity of God. Oh, I remember the point I wanted to make about the baptism. You know, God never asks us to do anything that he does not demonstrate himself. Everything. You can't name a thing that God asks us to do that he does not demonstrate himself. And Jesus, even humbling himself, being counted among the sinners, was a demonstration. And then you see the family unity. You see the father, or you hear the father's voice. You, you can physically see the sign of the Holy Spirit. And it rests upon Jesus. And so the ministry begins. Thank you, Lord, for this word. Thank you for Matthew. Thank you for your revelation. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Hey, if uh, if you want me to pray for you, you can put it into the chat now. Please do it in all caps so it'll stand up, uh, stand out to me. And uh, while I'm waiting for that to happen, this is about a 15-second delay. I just want to thank all of those who support uh, Right On Radio, myself. And uh, you can support uh, description. It's always in the description. But uh, you can support a couple ways. I have a PayPal and I have a patron, uh, which is a monthly thing. Uh, both are a real blessing to me. So thank you, and and thanks to some of you who uh, who shop with the the couple things that I offer. Um, you know that that helps out as well. And and truthfully, this uh, this podcast itself has never ever covered my bills. Uh, God has provided; He has sustained me, but perhaps He will help sustain you. And by the way, I would like to. Uh, be able to be more of a blessing to others as well. So, you know, perhaps one day the Lord will give me an abundance and he will trust me to be a faithful steward of it. Truth is, I, I had many years of, uh, of abundance and this time of having to just trust in God has really been fantastic for me. Okay, I've got a prayer 
from Wendy. Continued prayers for deliverance of Sybil's children and granddaughter. Okay. I'll just give it another five, ten seconds, and then I will pray. All right. Well, I guess that's it. Let me uh, pray for those. Heavenly Father, we come to you even in this public forum, Lord, and it's not to test you, Lord, but to honor your name and to show your love for your children. Lord, we pray that you'll answer these prayers and we'll be able to give testimony to your goodness, your greatness, and to your abilities. Lord, nothing is impossible for you. I lift up our sister Wendy at this moment, Lord. She's got congestion and a dry cough. And Lord, there's also some things that she's clinging to in life, Lord, that need to be broken. And Lord, she's crying out for your help in it, which is an admission that it is very difficult for her on her own. And she is asking you for help in these things. So Lord, let your healing flow to her, Lord, via your Holy Spirit. I pray that you do it in a way that it is unquestionably your goodness in her. And Lord, even with those things that she's having trouble breaking bonds with on her own, Lord, I pray that you'll grant her the ability to do a proper repentance if she feels that they are wrong for her a true repentance, Lord, that you grant her the clarity, the mercy, and the will by your spirit to lift up your sister, or my sister, who's always, already a miracle, Lord, what you've done in her life. And we just say, keep going, Lord. We pray, keep going. Glory to your name. And I also want to pray for deliverance of Sybil's children and granddaughter. Lord, I'm not, I have a strong faith, but Lord, I do pray that deliverance will come to Sybil's children and granddaughter. Lord, I don't know if this is the proper forum. I don't know, Lord, if this is the proper forum to actually have the deliverance done, although you are above all things. You can do anything, Lord. But Lord, I do pray the deliverance comes to them in whatever way that that looks like, Lord. But surely it is your will to answer this prayer. Break the strongholds of the evil one over them. And Lord, I throw in my cousin into this prayer as well. Lord, you know 
the demons that are tormenting. But Lord, we ask that you break those and you send your warring angels around to protect them. And Lord, that your deliverance will come to them. And then a proper repentance and a restoration into what they were created to be, which is in you. Covered by the Lamb's blood of Jesus Christ. Bought and paid for by our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen, everyone. Hey, thank you for being here, everyone. I truly, truly do appreciate each and every one of you. And uh, what a blessed time it is to be able to get together and uh, share the gospel, which is most important these days more important than anything. In the meantime, everyone, remember to love your God, love your family, love your neighbor as yourself, and make a difference in your community.